We're throwing off the filters of tradition and culture to discover what the Bible really says about relationships. Relationships with God, with ourselves, and with others. Welcome to this episode of Relationship Truth Unfiltered. Welcome to Relationship Truth Unfiltered. I'm Julie Sedenko, and I'm here with Deborah, who was married for over two decades and for most of that time was a stay at home mom to three children. And she unfortunately did experience a destructive marriage and has walked quite a quite a journey thank you for being here deborah oh my pleasure happy to share so tell me what why were you attracted to your husband initially um we actually were co-workers and i actually interviewed him for the job and after <laughs> i interviewed funny. him i told my co-workers he's really cute um so looks was kind of number one uh two we are in the same field we were both computer programmers and i really okay. was wanting to find stability in my life and somebody that had a decent career and had direction um he was funny he was cute he was romantic right. and so you know it all just kind of was based on those type of things um he at the time seemed to be a great listener as well mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. that really appealed to me that's unusual in the guy field, isn't it? <laughs> so it is. I could see it how is. that would be really attracting to to a woman. Um, how did you picture, you know, as you're dating this guy and everything, how did you imagine life was going to look? I imagined uh, a lot of what did happen, that we'd have children, I'd get to stay home because we were frugal with our money. I knew he made enough that I could stay at home and um, we'd attend church together. A lot of those things all happened. What I imagined was he and I would continue laughing together, mm. um, going to, like we both liked music, going to musicals, going to concerts, um, continue communicating. And a lot of that stopped after the kids came. And when we were dating, he actually said something to me that was very telling now. And he said he felt like he was behind. I was 30 when we got married. He was 32. And he said, you know, I always thought I'd be married by now with kids. And I was 33. So I got you both. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But I, I at the time just thought, wow, okay, we have the same goals. But what I didn't realize was the married kids, it was a checklist. Mm. So. Once the kids came, our relationship completely went on the back burner. Was that because he was super focused on being a dad or? or yeah, the kids, the kids took priority over me and it was convenient for him because now we know that he really struggles with intimacy and mm. connection and the great listener that I thought he was, was just, he didn't have anything to contribute to conversation. Hmm. And so it was different, you know, I thought, wow, he listened so well, but the reality was he never responded. Hmm. It was one way conversation for a long time. Wow. So how long, or I guess how long you said it, the problems really began after you had kids, how long after your marriage, did you have your first child? So, uh, let's see three years into the marriage. So, um, and I think 
the problems were there from day one. I just mm -hmm. didn't see them, ignored them, but um, it just became harder to ignore as the kids got older. Sure. And so, um, yeah, three years into the marriage, I had my, our first daughter and, and having one was good. It was when we got to two, actually, when I started seeing the cracks more and that I had needs that weren't being acknowledged or addressed because the kids got um, top priority. And um, so that, that was very hard for me. For instance, when my second daughter was born, I asked him to stay with me in the hospital that night. And he said, no, I have to be with our other daughter, but we already had relatives with her. She was fine. She was with grandma and um, he left. And mm -hmm. that was very hard for me because I really saw right at that moment, what my pecking order was now that I was going to come second. What did that hard. feel like? That That is hard. I mean, as you're laying in the hospital, having just yeah. delivered your second baby and your husband left you, yeah. tell me what that felt like. I, I was very hurt. Very, very hurt. I felt abandoned. I felt, um, like I said, I, I realized at that moment I was going to have to fight to keep his attention. And, and that was shocking to me. Um, because up to that point, you know, it was just him and I, we've been having fun and then we had our daughter and, you know, then the three of us did everything. And now all of a sudden, you know, mm. all of a sudden the, the two took the higher precedence. So uh, it, I felt abandoned. I felt yeah. abandoned. And did you fight for his attention? Oh my goodness. I did everything. I did everything. Um, I planned incredibly romantic dates. I um, found people to watch the kids so we could go out, which was always a struggle. So every date was me planning it, me organizing it. I had asked him to, you know, keep arranging dates, keep getting us out. We need to keep dating. Um, I was part of a wonderful organization called mops mothers of preschoolers yeah i was part of that as well oh, it was my lifesaver and they yeah. just kept talking about you've got to keep nurturing your marriage you've got to keep nurturing your marriage so i mean i pulled out all the stops and um it just was never reciprocated it was a very mm -hmm. one-way street i mean he would go we'd go have dinner we'd ha go see a show whatever i planned but it was never getting planned by him and, um, and then I yeah. asked for a long time to get away to just, you know, just him and I no kids. And, uh, it took a very long time to get him comfortable leaving the kids, which usually it's the mom, but I know, know. <laughs> it's like what I was just thinking, like, really, those I know, guys are right? like, they'll be fine. Let's go. <laughs> I know. And wow. okay. that was, again, that was a sign of our relationship. It wasn't a priority. It, um, you know, again, I know now that, that, that alone time, that intimacy time made him very uncomfortable. And so, um, mm. so we did everything as a family. When we traveled, the kids were always with us. I think we did one, maybe two outings without the kids. Now, I know you guys were Christian family. You went to church and everything, but you know they they talk about the seven year itch. Uh, you had kind of a major realization, I would say, at the seven year mark. Describe what happened. I 
was very involved in my church. I was part of the MOPS group, um, actually was organizing it and running it. I was attending oh, wow. Bible study. I was very active, very involved. My faith was really growing. And um, I had a real passion to help young moms because my kids were getting a little bit older. And I just was growing. And I remember calling my best friend and saying, I don't know what to do. The gap between my husband's faith and mine was getting bigger and bigger and bigger because I was growing and he was staying exactly at the same place of when we met. He wasn't Mm. plugged into the church. He knew everybody because I knew everybody. Um, And we looked like the perfect family because we went to church every Sunday. But uh, and then I was so active, but he wasn't. And I encouraged him to go to groups. I encouraged him to do all these things, Um, even tried to initiate devotions at home. Um, And I just it was so exhausting. And my friend gave me the best advice. And she said, never stop growing in your faith. Never. Mm. And I didn't. But the gap got bigger and bigger and I got healthier and healthier. And then I started seeing the reality of what I had married into. And um, um, none of us have a right to judge where somebody's at with their with the Lord and their faith. But I can say I did not see fruit as a result of his faith from the day I met him. Um, I assumed his listening, his kindness. Um, was a reflection of his faith and it wasn't, it was a reflection of his people pleasing. And so what I Mm -hmm. attributed to faith was actually um, his own insecurity and his necessity to keep a perfect image, the perfect family, the perfect look. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was hard because I love the Lord and I wanted to share that part of me with him he always allowed and was excited and, and let me, you know, do my thing, you know, lead mops, go to Bible study, go to retreats, do all those things. He'd watch the kids. Everyone's like, wow, that's so great. But he never engaged in it himself. And, Mm -hmm. um, and it was never, so the shared responsibility was just, he was with the kids and I was out doing ministry. And you, even though things weren't perfect, you kind of hid that fact as well. I know. Yeah. Why did you do that? And I don't mean that as a shame yeah. thing. I'm I'm uh-uh. I'm pro- I'm probing because I know there are women listening that are hiding some stuff as well, so that you present this image to the public, and not that you're going to go on the radio and say my marriage sucks, but right. <laughs> but there, you know, there's maybe something in between. Why did you feel yeah. the need? to hide the truth because it seemed to not line up with my faith journey. How could I be so strong in the Lord and have such a bad marriage? I must've been doing something wrong because if my faith was this strong and I was leading people to the Lord, I was evangelizing and teaching and encouraging and helping people discover their faith, helping women um, pursue dreams and goals. And I couldn't do that at home with my husband. So how could I tell anybody that? Because if I was that effective as 
I was in interacting with other women and drawing them closer to the Lord and, and drawing them back to their authentic self, which is always my hope and goal for women. Well, men too, but I work with women. I, I couldn't do it at home. I couldn't do it at home. So it's, I didn't even tell my closest friends. I mean, I, People didn't know. I mean, I told my friend, like I said, it's seven years, but I didn't tell her the bigger picture. And I still remember the conversation when I told her my marriage was broken. And I said to her, I can't tell you it's too big. And she started crying and said, you've never said that to me before. And Mm -hmm. it was because I was so afraid. And this is a friend from my childhood. I've known her my whole life. And she has been by my side and we have worked through it. But uh, I mean, I and my counselor even said to me, you've got to start telling people, because if you walk out of this marriage, everyone's going to look at you and go, what? Yeah. You're kidding me. Yeah. And you're Cleaver. yeah. I need it. Yeah. And I needed to start building a support team. So like you said, I didn't announce it on the radio, but I started slowly letting those safe people in and um, and they got it. And that was great. Some didn't. Some did not get it. Right. And some took the very um, strict legalistic view of you're married for life no matter what. Yeah. And um, I will say those people aren't my friends anymore. Tough, but Which is sad, but, but sad, but necessary. Yeah. So behind closed doors, describe mm-hmm. some of the issues that were going on in your marriage that made it destructive. because. Yeah. We all have husbands or a lot of people have husbands that don't take us on dates and right. it's a, it's a symptom, but you know, it's not maybe the thing that makes your marriage destructive. There were right. other things going on. So right. kind of describe some of those issues. First off, I was always safe. I was never in physical danger. And if I was, and if anybody is listening to this, you immediately need to tell somebody. That's definitely not a secret to keep. Um, So I was never in physical danger. It was more what, um, like Leslie would say, is it's it's more than a disappointing marriage because it was a destructive marriage. But initially, I was seeing it as a disappointing marriage. But as I looked at those symptoms, like you talked about, I realized there was destruction behind them. And the destructive part that probably was about the 10 year mark in my marriage when I started counseling, because up to that point in our marriage, I was a little bit of a hothead. And if anything happened, I was the one yelling. I was the one who went over the top. He was steady always. And I will still to this day, he is the nicest person you will ever meet. Yeah. And see, that is so good, Debbie, because you, you have this image in your head. If you hear the word destructive marriage or abusive marriage, you think of hitting, you think of rageaholics, you think of that. And when you have this calm, peaceful guy and the woman is the one that's losing her stuff, well, then she's the abusive one. And to an extent, that's true. You know, a a woman can easily cross the line into being verbally, emotionally abusive and all that as well. But even though he's not raging, even though he's not hitting, he can still be very destructive and abusive. How was your husband being that? Um, First off, it was always my fault 
I was the one to blame for any conflict in the house. Um, and so there was a lot of shame and blame going on. And because I was demonstrative and loud and out, you know, then I was like, you're right. It is me. It is me. So for 10 years, I wore that mantle of it is me. I'm the problem. Because you, because you feel that way, right? Yes. I mean, I, after you've yelled and screamed yourself, you're like, okay, I am the crazy yeah. one. I I'm am the crazy one. Right. Yeah. And, and, and we would have the same argument every month from the beginning of our marriage because we never solved anything. We never got to the core of anything. We never found resolution. It was blame. And then I would feel guilty. So then we'd stop talking and then I would try and be better. And then when I wasn't, then there would be blame. But the reality was, is my anger was stemming from the lack of intimacy in my home, the lack of connection, the lack of communication, the lack of respect of my needs. Um, and I got into individual counseling and I still remember telling her directly, um, my marriage is not good. And I cried for the rest of the hour. I think that's all I said that day. And she said, mm -hmm. you've held that a long time. And I said, yes. And we started building from there and I got tools and I stopped being the, you know, demonstrative one. So now I actually could see what was really going on, which was he had been lying to me for most of our marriage. And the about hard what? thing about that, it, you would think, you know, it wasn't big things, but okay. it was just deceit. It was, oh, yeah, I paid that bill and then we'd get a late payment. Well, I paid it. I mailed it in. This was when you still mailed things in. <laughs> um, I remember watching them take our trash cans away. And I'm like, I called him at work and I said, why are they taking our trash cans? I have no idea. Well, found out he hadn't paid the trash bill for a couple months. And when the kids were born, I handed over all the finances. I just couldn't juggle it all. And um, so I just trusted he was doing that. And he wasn't. He wasn't staying on top of things and he wasn't communicating that to me. And the lies might seem simple, but the fact was, is it eroded trust. Mm -hmm. And um, and it wasn't, it was a pattern. I think it was that's, a pattern. That's one of the things that Leslie really wants to get across because, you know, we've all made mistakes. We've all sinned. Nobody's perfect. So it's not about, we've all even had abusive incidents, you yeah. know, w w whether it be with our husband or our children uh, yelling, whatever. I mean, nobody's perfect, mm -hmm. but it's about the pattern. Right. And this lying and deceit was truly a pattern uh, that was making you feel crazy. And then he would follow it up with gaslighting. Is that right? Yeah. Because there were times where I would flat out have the proof that he was lying and he would still somehow convince me that it wasn't. Um, it was something as simple as I said, it was his mom's birthday. I'm like, did you call your mom? And he said, yeah. And at the time you could print out your phone bill. And so I printed it out and I said, it was a long distance call. I said, there's no charge on here. No, I called her, but there's no charge on here, but I called her and we literally, and then I finally went, okay, I guess I'm wrong, but I had it in black and white. And so they, now I have like to ask you things. that, Debbie, yeah. why, why would you? Out, go to the trouble of pulling out the phone bill 
and because I was going the, crazy. You were going crazy. I, I was going crazy. I, like I said, it, it was so hard to explain to certain friends because it's like, how do you say, well, so what he doesn't plan dates, you plan the dates. So what if he lied here or there? It's no big deal. No, it was a pattern of lying, That's a sick. pattern of blaming, a pattern of never, I've never heard him say, I'm sorry. So he's never, never owned it. Never, never. I cannot remember one time. Um, I can't. And so this pattern continued and he would tell me one thing and then the exact opposite would happen. And he'd go, I don't know why that just happened. And I can actually trace it all the way back to even when we were dating, which was sad, but you know, hindsight's 2020. Oh yeah. And so the, the other part was what don't I know? What is he lying out about that? I just haven't found out about yet. And that and, makes you even more crazy, doesn't it? Yes. Because then you go down roads yeah. that may or may not even be true, but correct. You you can't trust him. No, I couldn't. And um, we would talk about things. We would agree on things. And then he'd do the exact opposite. And then I'd be like, what? Like to this day, <laughs> this is the stupidest thing. But when we remodeled our kitchen, I said, I just want the sink big enough for a nine by 13 pan to sit flat in the sink so I can soak it after oh. I built, made a casserole. Right. Amen. 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 <laughs> and he's like, no problem. So the remodel's done. I put in my nine by 13 pan. It's sideways. And I'm like, he goes, I measured it. Well, now that I know his true character and who he is. No, he didn't. And I mean, it sounds like a stupid thing, but the fact was, is everything we talked about and would agree on the opposite would happen and he would be innocent. And somehow it was my fault. Now, do you feel like that was an intentional thing that he was just trying to tick you off or drive you crazy? Or was there something in him where he messed up and he couldn't admit it? And so it would be easier to blame you or, or do you just have no idea? Honestly, I'm still very puzzled. Um, however, I believe at times it was very intentional because he didn't care or he wanted it a different way. So he would do what he wanted and claim that that's what we had agreed to. So he could get what he wanted. And, um, other times I think he forgot, but he didn't want to own up to it. He is a perfectionist. He mm -hmm. has that tendency. Um, and so he could never admit that it was ever him. He never, never, never could. And the thing is, is these things sound little, but over time and the yes. gaslighting, the, I know, I know we both said we were going to do this. And then why is this happening? And it would just, I would just constantly be in my head. I'd constantly be spinning. I would come back with I statements and proper, you know, things that I learned in counseling to communicate and we'd have a good conversation and then it would still be wrong. It would still go the wrong way. Yeah. And it was, um, trust was leaving and our trust had gone and um, I was alone. Um, mm. My counselor had said to me a couple of times, you know, you're a single mom. You just don't, you can't, the world doesn't know it. And it wasn't that he wasn't involved with the kids. It's just, I was teaching them their faith. I was building them up in that. And it was tough. It was hard. It is. Um, you did try counseling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm laughing because I, I already know. And I think half <laughs> the I people listening Singer. already know, <laughs> yeah. I know how much money we could have saved. Right. So tell me about your counseling experience or yeah, experiences. We, we, yeah. we tried a couple times. The first one we went to, um, the first session was pretty normal and he gave us both assignments. We came back to the second session. I had done all my assignments. My ex had done none. Mm. And I said, that's well, called a clue. Yeah. He's not trying. He's not right. this. And the counselor said, cut him some slack. And he put it all on me and said, I think you're just trying to control everything. And I think you're the problem. The counselor and said that the counselor said that. And okay. he's like, I, you know, you've got the temper, you've got this, you've got, and I just started crying. We walked out of that session. I looked at my husband at the time and I said, we're never going back again. I'm done trying. And he said, thank you. Wow. I got in the car, called my friend and said, my marriage just ended. Well, and here's the thing. Here's the thing I'm, I'm going to say. There is a kernel of truth to what that counselor said, isn't there? Those of us in that situation, we are trying to control yeah. because because we're desperate to make our marriage work. Yeah. And we are getting angry because we're desperate to make our marriage work. And that desperation leads to abusive behaviors in, in our own right. So there was a kernel of truth there, but he also was completely ignoring the destructive patterns in your husband because Correct. he looked like the good guy. Correct. And so that was... letting go, that letting go that you did was so that, and that was pre Leslie too, was so important Yeah. because I really believe you have to get to that point where you do try, try to stop controlling and you yeah. do try or you, you do stop controlling and let go and let them be who they say through their actions, they want to be. Mm -hmm. And now I know the term. I did try to stay well at that point to stay in the marriage. My goal was to stay till my kids graduated. At that right. point, I made that decision. I did initiate another counseling encounter for the two of us several years later with a counselor I respected. And he saw what was going on and he saw truth. And he... Good in the first couple sessions said, you don't need to come. I need to work on him. He's one of the most stuck people I've ever met, which oh, sounds fabulous. Right. So he, my ex still went for a while. We were still married at the time, but then he cut back and back and then eventually kind of was stopping and I was continuing to grow and I was getting to the point where I was done. I was done. Yeah. Um, health issues were hitting me because of the stress I was enduring because at home it was just a pressure cooker. And then I would leave and I could be myself and I could laugh and I could spend time with friends and be in God's word and teach and learn. And then I'd walk in the house and I'd just wait for him to come home and wait for me to be blamed for something, um, for me to be ignored, for me to be overlooked. And, um, so and you better not to, and you better not get mad about it. Oh yes. The the conversation we had quite a lot was you don't have a right to be mad at me. I'm not hitting you. I'm not a drunk. I'm not doing drugs. I provide money. You have no right to be mad at me. Wow. Um okay. 
you're not meeting my emotional needs, you're not growing in your faith, you're not investing in our marriage, but you're not doing all those other things, correct. However, there's no relationship here. Yes. And the further I pulled back so that I wasn't getting emotionally wrecked every day, it didn't phase him. Even to Mm. the point when I said, we're sharing, we're no longer sharing a bed. He happily moved into his office and lived there for a couple of years. Didn't bother him at all. Not that I saw. When you said you had health issues, it got pretty bad, didn't it? Yes. I just was not feeling right for a long time. Um, I had back issues already, but my back was constantly going out to the point that I had to, you know, get like rushed into the ER because I was in so much pain, got the cortisone shot. And um, it was just the stress I was carrying in my body. And um, when I got vertigo, which is everything spins and whatnot, and I've, I've had it um, a couple times, unfortunately, but when this time hit and it was right Literally, it was months before I filed for divorce, a couple months before, because it was kind of the final straw. And I remember being in the hospital, had to keep my eyes closed, even though everything was still spinning. I was on medication and he came home from work and came to the hospital. And all I said was, please fix our marriage. This is a direct result. And the response was, well, I did some research and vertigo is not caused by stress. Okay. I'm in a hospital bed in the ER. <laughs> so at again, that point, it's, it's not his fault. Right. You know, exactly. Which so again, there's the blame, there's the shame, these health problems. Um, and, and then a year after, again, I was still not well a year after we separated um, physically living elsewhere um, within six months of that, I ended up having an emergency surgery on my gallbladder that had been infected and whatnot. So, you know, all the stress just takes its toll. It took time to catch up and happen. Um, And um, it does. And, 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 and for people who are listening, know that it does take a toll and it will catch up with you and everything that you're holding inside and trying to make yourself look perfect to everybody else. But it's, it's still eating away inside and it will catch up with you. And it was wild to me when I talked to a couple other friends that I knew had gone through difficult marriages, ended in divorce. Every one of them had a health story. Hmm. You know, something went wrong. A friend, another friend's lung collapsed. You know, I mean, it was like, what? You know, right. and it was post, you know, everything. But it's it just it took a toll on me all those years of me hiding it, not letting people in. That's, I mean, that's mine to own. I, I had safe friends. I had safe people. I just was trying to live the dream myself. And once I let people in, then it made a big difference, made a big difference. Well, and you eventually, I don't know at what point during all of this, did you find Leslie in her teaching? Um, it was after he moved out. And so um, it was in 2018. And I would say I just stumbled upon her, but I didn't. I mean, God directed me to her. I don't, I honestly was like, it just popped up in my feed or something. I mean, it wasn't like someone said, oh, you should check this, you know, counseling yeah. group out. And the first time I listened to one of her free webinars, I just wept through most of it because it was such. Mm-hmm. 
an acknowledgement of I'm not crazy. There's other people that are dealing with this too. And God loves me. The statement that I took to this, that I still carry with me today was God loves me, loves us more than the institution of marriage. And I didn't know that. I didn't Mm -hmm. know that because well-meaning Christians and the church I was attending at the time said, if you divorce, you're out. You can't serve anymore. You can't teach. You can't lead. You can't do anything because divorce is wrong. And to hear someone say, no, no, God cares more about me. That's the God I know and love is that he loves me. He hates divorce. I hate divorced. I hate that I am divorced, but I know that it was the path God directed me to led me along because if I stayed in it much longer, my health was going to deteriorate to the point that I wouldn't have been able to be a mom to my kids. And I have three young adults now and they still need me and I want to be here. And I'm, if I had believed the lie that divorce was, you know, the end all, you're no longer a Christian. You're no not. You're no longer qualified to represent God in this world anymore. That's just a total lie. Well, that's and, how and we're let treated. Let me say too that God also hates abuse. Yes. God hates verbal abuse. He hates yeah. emotional abuse. He hates yeah. physical abuse. He hates financial abuse. God hates abuse. So let's not cherry pick. Let's read right. the entire scripture. And, you know, we don't have to go into all that. I'll let Leslie do the uh, theological stuff, but um, that is actually not what the Bible says Mm -mm. if you go back and translate it correctly. And abuse was very hard for me to own that word. Well, he just lies a little bit. Well, he just blames me. And when I realized the destructiveness of this gaslighting, lying pattern that had been going on for almost 20 years. This was not a, you know, five-year marriage. This was 19 years before we separated. And my counselor called it emotional abuse day one. I probably was year seven before I could say it. And I think that, I don't know if this is what it is for you, but a lot of people think abuse equals bruises. Yes. And that's but I had not- internal bruises, bruises. I had, I didn't know how lost I was. And you can tell from hearing me today, I'm back to me again. Um, it's been several years, but I laugh again. I, you know, my friends are like, we haven't heard that laugh. Like mm-hmm. I laughed during that time, but it wasn't me. Right. Like I didn't realize how silenced I was in my home. And um, that, that to me, clearly now I, I know it was emotional abuse. I I think sometimes if we could walk into a church and unzip a woman and see inside that we would be like, Oh my God, she's abused. Yeah. But because we don't see the bruises on her skin, we say she's not, but I think there are things if we could see it we would be horrified and i don't i don't think that there's a pastor worth his salt that if he could really see what he what was being done to this woman he would never say you're disqualified and you know get out so i'll stop my rant but yeah um, and i want to add i want to add to that if we open the men 
we would see not that they were abused but they were wounded oh i mean yes. i'm i'm at a place of grace now with him but um with my ex he's got a wound that he's never dealt with and i still don't know what it is and i don't even know if he knows what it is but that wound has made him uh you know stunted okay. his growth stunted his emotional okay. development stunted all of that now at the time i didn't care i was just mad but now i look and i say you know and that wasn't my job it's that not your my job. job that's his and job God but you're, you're me right from it. if 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 we could just I guess if we could see what God sees, because God sees it. He sees your hurt woman who's, who's listening. He sees the the pain and the wounding of your husband. He wants to heal it, Mm -hmm. but he's not going to force that upon you. So if we could, if we could see what God sees. So you joined Leslie's conquer membership program and you were part of it for gosh, (laughs) how many years? I, I think it's been five, I think five four years. or five. Yeah. A long time. But you really did the work, didn't you? I did. Um, taking advantage of, well, I love to learn. I'm a learner by nature. And so especially the core videos of building up my core self again and who I am in Christ, um, those videos were priceless. Um, and I was on the chats and uh, the the private Facebook page because I have felt alone for so many years and then it broke my heart to see how many other women across the country, even outside of our country that are part of this group and sharing the same wounds, the same patterns. Some people have different levels of abuse, different types of abuse, but there were a lot of women on there that were sharing a lot of what I had experienced. I no longer felt alone. Mm -hmm. I was starting to let go of the shame. I was embracing that I wasn't the worst Christian in the world because I divorced and filed for divorce. I saw that God loved me, but I also saw that I had to be responsible with what I did at this point. Mm -hmm. Choosing to leave the marriage was a very hard decision. I had to dot every I, cross every T to know that I tried everything. And when I finally was able to do that, I needed to walk out and build myself back up again to become a whole woman again and not allow that to define me. I don't want to say I'm a divorced woman. I was abused. Those things are true of me, but I am loved by God. I have a voice. I have something to say. I have value. I'm a good mom, even -hmm. though I divorced their dad. And I feel guilt from time to time. My kids are still dealing with it. Yeah. And there are times when I'm the bad guy, he's the good guy, you know, to this day. Sure. And if I wasn't strong in who I am, which is what Leslie's program really helped for me and conquer, I would just crumble again. Mm -hmm. And so regardless of whether I stayed well or left well, I had to build up who I was. I had to be responsible for how I responded to somebody who wasn't kind to me, even if it was passive aggressive or if it was directly in my face. Am I going to come back to that anger or am I going to respond in in the way that protects myself but clearly defines, hey, this is not okay. This is what I'm going to do to protect myself. If we need to connect again, this is the boundary that's going to be set. And I came to understand that. Yes. And Isn't it? I, it's so amazing to me because Conquer 
you know, for people that don't know, it's not just a place for women to gather on Facebook in a private group and bash their husbands. Right. Uh, it is a place to go. And Leslie has an incredible library of videos. There is a, a, a workbook that you work through um, steps. There are monthly coaching calls. There oh, yeah. is all kinds of support that oh, so that a woman can do her own work and grow that core strength. Mm -hmm. And if you're staying well, that you can stay well. Correct. And if you decide to leave, that you can leave well. And I, I think what you were describing is one of the biggest things, especially for a woman who maybe is a rager or has completely lost her cool, to be able to learn to stay in your your core strength, what it does is it it flashes a mirror up because now he, he's not looking at your bad behavior and it it puts a spotlight on his. Right. I don't know if that is something that you experienced, but at least it, it just kind of takes the focus off of you. Mm -hmm. It increased the gaslighting, but okay. I was in a better place because I was stronger with who I was that I identified it quicker. Right. Because the gaslighting had to increase because I no longer was the easy target. Okay. Yes. I calmed myself. I responded more appropriately. I responded in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't going to change that I was still going to get blamed and all that kind of stuff. So there had to be an increase in gaslighting um, so that it could still be blamed on me, even though it was like, but I'm not doing that anymore. Well, but so that even if to. so that even if he doesn't change at all or he gets worse, yeah. you have changed. Yes. And and therefore, because you have changed, the dynamic of the marriage changes. Yes, very much so. And, and I think that, um, you know, even after he moved out, I still had to interact with him because sure. we had three children together Absolutely. and we had to work out, I mean, <laughs> you know, custody and when he picked up the kids and all of that kind of stuff. And, oh man, the things that were spun and all of that. And that yeah. was like, I'm gonna, you know, but I wasn't reacting to everything. I was initially because I had just sure. started conquer. And so I was still, and I was grieving. I was Such grieving. Thing. I had a couple friends that said, Oh, you should do a, a divorce party. I said, it's not a party. No, this is a time to grieve. I am grieving the loss of my marriage. I don't want to be married to this person anymore. I don't want to be in this destructive marriage anymore, but I'm not going to celebrate that it's over. No. It's I will funeral. celebrate it's that I am stronger. I'll celebrate that I have a voice again. I will celebrate by helping other people. And the phone calls on Conquer, I think were one of the most helpful ones for me, the, the coaching calls. And you would call in and just listen. And sometimes you'd get an opportunity that you could talk and, and Leslie would counsel you directly. But just listening to other people's stories and listening to the wisdom that Leslie would share in how to stay in your core, how to stay responding in a way that you could be proud of yourself and in a way that you see your value and who you are as a woman of God and listening to all the stories. I cried through a lot of the calls because yes. it was just heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And there were some days I didn't go to the calls because I was in a grief place and I knew it would just send me in a spiral. But the mm -hmm. days that I had the energy to listen and hold somebody else's pain, I learned. 
Yes. Those calls, I learned so much. And in, and those calls, I mean, it's not a place where she just pats you on the back and, and yeah. verifies that you're a victim. She will challenge you. Okay, yes. so maybe you are a victim, but what are you going to do about it? And challenging you and helping you to think through those things. And I'll tell you what, that lady, she will stay on a call. And mm -hmm. I mean, she will do her absolute best to answer every last question because yeah. she, she really, really cares to help you. And, um, uh, it's, it's something for me, I get to be a part of the call sometimes and help run them. And, um, I, I learn and yes. it's, it's really incredible. And she's one of the few voices in Christian ministry that's, um, really valuing women who are in very difficult situations. Yes. Um, you know, there's divorce recovery groups, which I did, and it was very helpful. There are support groups and things at your churches that they provide. But hearing, so, like, and, and that's kind of the, you know, sharing your woes and encouraging each other and learning. But when you're in, interacting with Conquer, you're hearing someone say to you, you're valuable right where you are. And... God sees you right where you are and the scripture she brings in to back it up stories. I've heard my entire life. Um, I think it's Abigail, Abigail and David and that whole story. And just like, what? I've never heard it interpreted that way. And it totally makes sense, you know, and, and just the women, I mean, we've, we've heard, and there's a lot of people out there saying God loves women and God took care of women and, and, and how he saw women at biblical times when women were nothing but to see that he didn't just see them, but he was teaching us lessons through them. And the lesson is, I value you, not just because mm -hmm. you're a woman, but you're my child. I yes. value you. I value you more than the circumstance you're in. I value you enough to allow you to walk through this circumstance to get stronger. I value you enough to um, restore um, joy and peace in your home. And that's what he's done for me. And uh, I learned so much of that through Leslie's teachings. Um, when she gets into the scripture part and bringing up these passages we've read over and over again and seeing them in a way that they were meant to be seen yeah. was powerful for me. I, I like I well, said, I love to learn. And, so. and for you, the Conquer community really became your community because your your local community, your church, your friends rejected you. Is that right? A portion of them did. Yes. The church I was involved in at the time, um, we hadn't been there very long because we switched there because our kids were thriving in their youth ministry. Right. So we're like, let's go there. And that's what I've always been told. And I agree with that. So um, I was learning. I was stepping into leadership. And honestly, I told them from day one, my marriage is not in a good place. However, I am good with the Lord. And these are what I have to offer. And they brought me right in. Let me do leadership. But the minute I filed, they said, sorry, we can't use you anymore. And they allowed him to stay there. They allowed him to serve because he was the victim. And they didn't kick me out of the church, but they stripped me of all leadership. And um, they just said, we, you know, as soon as I, I but you knew. And they're like, yeah, but you filed for divorce. And I said, and they, okay. they didn't really seem to care why. Mm -hmm. and, and they, they do. And they didn't seem to care that he wasn't trying or mm -mm. no, 
And I mean, of course, he was spinning his own story. He, yeah, we had one meeting with the pastor that I won't go into because it's too long of a story, but it was probably one of the worst days of my life. Mm. And I was just so destroyed by that pastor and the things he said to me and the things he accused me of because he believed the lies. And honestly, as soon as we separated under the guise of we need prayer, my ex-husband called my friends that he knew he could influence. And those friends aren't, aren't friends anymore. And the ones that were closest to me, he didn't even dare call because he knew they would never, you know, one of Mm -hmm. my friends did say to him, uh, if I need to talk about this, I'll talk to to Debbie, (laughs) you know, but, Mm -hmm. um, I did have a core group of friends that weren't part of my church. We were friends actually from mops times. Yeah. And those are still my closest friends today, but no, that church wounded me. I'd like to say I exited gracefully. I did not. (laughs) I had a scene in the lobby, (laughs) but I'm now at a church that I will tell you the first few years at that church, I sat in the balcony and I hid my head, but I was learning. I was growing. I was redeveloping. You know, the fact that you were even able, there are so many women that couldn't darken the door of a church again. Yeah because of some experience like that. So I think just the fact that you were able to go and sit in the balcony and even begin to listen to another sermon says a lot. It really does. I, the church is always going to hurt you because it's made up of people and I've been hurt in other ways. Uh, This one was probably a really deep hurt though, because of, um, you know, it was the nature of it all, but I can't not keep growing. And I know how important fellowship is. Conquers fellowship. It is. And so, you know, I had it there, but it wasn't, it's not enough. It was, it got me to a place that I could step in a church again. I sat in the balcony, but now I'm comfortable sitting down below. Now I facilitate a life group. I'm still working through that. I'm still working through the confidence I have to go back into ministry and, um, and to, to lead groups and to lead other women. But when you've been just divorced for how long now? Technically just divorced for a little over a year, but we've wow. been separated for since 2018, but because of COVID and the courts and his lies, oh, his lack of providing information, Bob, it took four years for the legal part to come through. We were not living together. So it's been technically, oh, wow. technically a year and a half. But we've been divorced for over five years because he was out of the house at that point. So Debbie, what does your life look like today? (laughs) Um, It's definitely not perfect, but it is um, joy has returned. And um, I needed to go back to work. Um, I'd been a stay-at-home mom for 17 years and um, slowly stepped back into the workplace part-time and then got a full-time job. And then now I'm in a job that I love. Um, and I'm just, I love what I'm doing. I love, I love interacting as a mom with my kids. I've got, um, like I said, three young adults, one still at home. The other two are college. One just graduated. Hmm. I'm involved in my church. I have a life group that no everything about me and love me completely. I have, um, I have good days. I have bad days, but on the whole, 
my faith is stronger, I feel hopeful for my future again. I was just sharing that with a friend. I said, it, it took a long time for me to look at my future and be excited about it. And I'm there. And that, I mean, that was four or five years of work though, but yes. I'm there now and I'm hopeful for my future. I don't know if it'll be alone, if God will bring another partner in my life and I'll have another, you know, spouse or relationship. We'll see what he has for me, but I have good friends. I'm still parenting, even though they're young adults. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, and I love this new stage. Um, and like I said, I'm working again. I'm finding a different part of and myself. You're not just working. Me. You're you're doing your dream job. I'm doing my dream job. I um, my degrees in computer science. I was a programmer, but I always wanted to teach, and so I'm teaching computer skills to uh, people in the community who can't find work because they don't know how to use a computer. Wow! And it is one of the most rewarding things. I'm working with um, with people who have maybe even never touched a mouse on a computer before. It's it's shocking to me. That's so incredible. God has opened me up to this this entire community I didn't know existed. I didn't I've know always... that they existed. I yeah. thought pe people are born with the mouse in their hands, aren't they? I know. Yeah. Wow. And, and, um, you know, most of them when COVID hit lost their job, couldn't get a job and mm -hmm. they aren't getting hired back because you got to know computers now. Gotta so know. I'm, I got to create the program. I got to write the curriculum. I get to teach the curriculum. People come to me with stories that just drop me to my knees. I don't have answers. I'm just supposed to listen. And if they share that they have a faith, I ask if I can pray for them. I have prayed with so many of my students. I have been able to hug people who've just lost a child or their marriage just ended or whatever they're going through. And I, I, I get a front row seat to watch people build confidence, um, break down the walls that are holding them back and release some of these things in a secular job. It's not even a Christian organization, mm -hmm. but God's using me. And I love it. I love it. I want people to hear that because I know there's somebody driving or just listening to this podcast right now and they're in the dark place. Yeah. They're in the place that you were five, six, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. And to even imagine their life like yours yeah. is yeah. almost impossible Mm -hmm. And so I just want that woman to hear that Amen. there is hope. There is hope. If yeah. you could say one thing to that woman, what would you say to her? Um, God loves you more than he loves the institution of marriage. And God has incredible plans for you. They might be, they might seem small, but every plan he has is valuable and worthwhile, whether it's raising your children, whether it's encouraging a coworker, whether it's just getting up, getting dressed and doing your day well, all of those things are important to God and he's with you in each step of it. He, he wants hope in your life. He's a he God does. of hope. He does. Yeah. Debbie, thank you so much for being with us today. I really, really appreciate you sharing your story. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Relationship Truth Unfiltered. If you need clarity on whether your marriage is difficult, disappointing, or destructive, go to lesliebernick.com forward slash start for Leslie's free 
quick start guide. It's totally private and will help you get clear on your next step. Again, that's lesliebernick.com forward slash start. Until next time, may God bless your relationships with him, with yourself, and with others.